Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Praise God. So as we go into the Word today, I want us to look at Psalm chapter 42. We are continuing talking about applying the medicine of God. And we have been discussing from the perspective of receiving the healing that is contained in the Word of God. And we've looked significantly at Romans chapter 10 that tells us faith comes by hearing. And even going far in previous verses, there in, in verses 9 and 10, it goes so far as to tell us the process through which faith comes, that with the heart man believes, that faith comes by hearing, but then with the heart man believes, and then with the mouth, confession is made unto liberation, preservation, restoration, healing, soundness, rescue. All of those are proper definitions from the original Greek language for the New Testament word that is defined or is translated as salvation in the King James. So when we see salvation, we've got to recognize it is a word that covers such a broad spectrum of our life. It covers our entire life, bringing what if it's financial restoration, physical restoration, restoration in our relationships, in our home, that salvation is something that is ongoing. So it's not just talking about me entering into being born again by accepting Jesus as Lord, although it uses that process to explain how it works. When it says, when it says, when uh, the mouth confession is made unto salvation, the previous verse says, uh, um, that we confess that Jesus is Lord and with our heart we believe that God raised him from the dead. And, and that specific thing that we believe and speak connects us to that provision. It gives us access to that provision. In the same way, when we believe in our heart that Jesus took the stripes for our healing, and we declare with our mouth that He is our healer, that I am the healed of the Lord, by His stripes I am healed. That also is the same process to access that specific need, that specific provision of the covenant. And so faith for any specific provision comes from hearing the word on that subject. So for us to believe and receive healing on an ongoing basis and because we live in these bodies they need restoration there are things that may have worn out there are things that may be experiencing you know uh, 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 overload things that have are under attack in the immune system and so we need to have a full measure a full supply to resist amen so we've been talking about different aspects from the Word of God that 
cover this provision that is ours by covenant. And um, I want to talk a little bit uh, specifically in a different direction than I have before. Uh, Here in Psalm chapter 42, it says in verse 11, 42, 11, Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. He is my, the health of my countenance and my God. So we see that David, uh, we see that the psalmist, this one may not have specifically been David, uh, this psalmist is encouraging himself in the Lord encouraging just like David did and that's what kind of makes me wonder it's to the chief musician but it may be David's psalm David encouraged himself in the Lord when he came to the city of Ziklag and found it had been burned to the ground and all of his family had been taken captive and everybody else was so so overwhelmed with grief and sorrow that they not only wanted just to give up completely but they thought let's kill David it's all his fault and David did not, con- did not participate with their reaction, but instead David encouraged himself in the Lord right. in a time that was a desperate time, in a time that was a very hopeless appearance in, in that situation. He encouraged himself in the Lord, and in doing so he found the exit from that situation Amen. and the restoration. He found salvation, didn't he? In that encouraging. So this psalmist, verse 11, is encouraging himself. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted? This is what we're going to do. This is the response that we're going to take. This is how we are going to behave ourselves. We are going to hope in the Lord. For He is the health of my countenance. The Living Bible says, But O my soul... Don't be discouraged. Don't be upset. Expect God to act. Expect God to act. For I know that I shall again have plenty of reason to praise Him for all He will do. He is my help. He is my God. I love that. I know I will again have plenty of reason to praise Him. Hallelujah. So I'm going to hope in Him. I'm going to look to Him. I'm going to expect God to act. And when a person finds themselves facing a physical challenge, a physical situation, what we need to do is turn our expector on. We need to turn to the Lord and we need to hope in God and we need to put our focus on what He has done for others Because we know he's no respecter of person. We need to put our focus on his healing demonstrations in his word. Because he's no respecter of persons. We need to put our focus on his written will. Because God's will 
for us is not a mystery. It's not something we have to question or wonder about. We can find His will in His Word. We can find His will in the life of Jesus Christ. We can find His will in the garden before the fall. We can find His will in the, the scriptures that reveal what heaven is like. And sickness is not in any of those three places. So we can determine that the will of God for me, if Jesus went about doing good and healing all because God was with him, that's the will of God and Jesus. Amen? So we hope in God. So if we're sick, what are we going to do? Expect to get better. Expect to get better. And we don't check the symptoms to find out if we should expect that way. But we begin to expect based on his word. Just like Abraham in Romans chapter 4, it says that he hoped against hope. Can you look at that scripture with me? He hoped against hope. What does that mean? What does it mean that Abraham hoped against hope? Well, the scripture here, it says uh, he against hope believed in hope. Verse 18 of chapter 4, against hope believed in hope. If you looked up the word hope in the Strong's Concordance, it has a dual meaning. It can mean a, 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 a um, hallelujah, it can mean, I have it written in the side of my Bible, <laughs> anticipate with pleasure, confidence, and expectation, but then it can also mean to dread. So there is a negative hope that is a dread that you don't, that you dread it happening. But you know, if you're dreading it, you're thinking about it, you're, you're experiencing all of the, the emotions of what might happen, you're, you're, you're like walking through it. Hope kind of walks you through something. Hope puts you in that situation See, the word, one of the definitions is anticipate. And anticipate is a prefix anti, which means before. And and the word, a, a part of the word participate. So if you anticipate something, you are participating in it before the event. Hope participates in it before the event. Dread will also negatively do that. Dread will also put you in that situation in your mind, in your emotions, and you'll walk yourself through the negative thing. So Abraham had to deal with that negative hope. It says against natural hope, we could say. Against that negative hope that was telling him, your wife has never been able to have children. You are way past the age of bearing children. All of the symptoms, this was, he was dealing with something in his body, wasn't he? He was not only dealing with something in his body, but he was dealing with something in his wife's body. So she needed a healing. She needed to be restored. She needed salvation in her body. And he had come to a place, he needed salvation in his body to be able to see the word of the Lord come to pass. So there were a lot of symptoms and feelings and negative evidences standing in the way of him believing. So he had to use hope in the believing. He believed in hope. 
against the natural hope he believed in hope against everything the symptoms were telling him against everything the evidence of his body was reporting to him he had to go to the word to get his evidence and he had to believe in the hope that the word brought him and that's what we need to understand about faith um, Hebrews chapter 1 11 verse 1 says now hope is the evidence of things hoped for. Hope is the evidence of things hoped for. Uh, Faith is the evidence of things hoped for. So hope is included in the process of faith. If I'm not hoping for anything, substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, the substance and the evidence, faith is substance and evidence of things that my that the word has brought me a hope about. So the word of God will first build a hope and then faith will build that hope into substance. Faith faith will give substance to it. And so I like to use the example of a blueprint. If you have a blueprint, you can see the dimensions. You can see the size of how... Each room will be laid out in that blueprint. You can see where the windows are going to be, where the doors are going to be, where the, all the different details. That's what hope is. Hope shows you that picture. It shows you the detail in picture. But you can't live in a blueprint. And hope is a poor receiver. Hope needs faith for the receiving. Faith gives substance and evidence to the things that you hope for that are not yet seen. Faith gives substance to things in your blueprint. It's like the builder who takes the brick and the mortar and the two by fours and lays the foundation and frames up the house and finishes out that house Faith is the finisher. Faith is the builder. Faith is going to come and put the brick by brick together. Faith is going to come and put those two by fours into a structure. Faith is going to come and put substance to what you see in the blueprint. But you need a blueprint in order for faith to build anything. Faith can't build if there's no hope. Because there's no blueprint. How would you tell a builder to build your house and they say, okay, tell me what kind of house you want. Tell me what you want your house to look like. Tell me, give me the details. I don't know, just build a house. Just, just build a house. Well, I can't do that. I don't even know what, what resources to order. I don't even know how many two by fours we're going to order if you don't tell me how many rooms we're going to build. I don't know how much brick to order if you don't tell me the size this house is going to be. I've got to be able to see the detail in the blueprint so I know what supply to bring to this situation. So I know what substance to bring to the hope. So God gave Abraham something to focus on. He said, go out, look at the stars in the sky and tell them, count them, tell them. One translation says, this is how many my seed will be. So he wasn't just to look and glance at them. He was supposed to number them. He was supposed to meditate on that image. 
He was supposed to look up every night. He was supposed to look up and see his future. And, and image, imagine, this is how many my seed will be. He was supposed to, during the day, walk outside and look at the sand. And you know, he lived in the desert. He was supposed to look down and see the sand and start telling it, counting it. This is how many my seed will be. Well, you can't count all the grains of sand, but God wanted him to meditate on that number, to meditate on the innumerable amount. Amen? And it says here in this same chapter in Romans chapter 4, let's back up and look at it, where it says, Hallelujah. Here in this same verse, that he might become the father of many nations, According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. That was the word that he had. That was the the word that he stood on. With five words, we are here today. We are in Christ today because Abraham stood out there and repeated those five words. He chewed on those five words. He meditated on those five words. So shall my seed be. So shall my seed be. So shall my seed be. Looking at it and speaking in line with it. Amen? And so against natural human hope, he believed in hope, hallelujah, and became the father of many nations. So when we are dealing with any adversity, And we're specifically talking about physical adversity today. The first thing that we need to do is fix our hope on God. Fasten our hope on God. Put our trust in Him. Not lean to the own understanding, but trust in the Lord. That doesn't mean that we don't take uh, medicine that may be prescribed to us. Listen, medicine works a lot better with faith. And sometimes your faith will work a lot better when you're not fighting the symptoms. So take the medicine in faith and say, I'm taking this medicine and it's going to work to its full effectiveness and I rebuke any side effects that come with it. I'm going to resist the side effects and take any good it can give me. Amen? But do it in hope. Do it with an expectation that this is going to turn for my good. Jeremiah chapter 30 and verse 17 Jeremiah 30, verse 17. For I will restore health unto you. I will restore health unto you. So this must be speaking to someone whose health is under attack, whose health has been compromised. I will restore health unto you, and I will heal you of your wounds, saith the Lord, because they called you an outcast, saying, This is Zion, whom no man seeketh after. Hallelujah. So God says He is capable of restoring. So if your health has been lost, start expecting to get it back. And again, if you don't have hope, what is there for faith to build? What is there for faith to build? We've got to expect God will restore health to me. The Living Bible says, I will give you back your health and heal your wounds. I will give you back your health 
and heal your wounds. The Message Bible says, As for you, I will come with healing, curing the incurable. I will come with healing, curing the incurable. God doesn't have anything that falls into a category of incurable for Him. It may be incurable in the natural parameters, but not in God's parameters. God hasn't found a disease that He is incapable of curing. God, there's not a disease that exists that is outside of God's scope to heal it and to restore you from it. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. And not only can we have that response if our health comes under attack, but it is possible to go ahead and turn your expector towards health on a daily basis. You don't have to get sick. How does that start? Well, it starts with me expecting to stay well. It starts with me tuning in my dial to expect health in my life that will, that will maintain me against sickness. Hallelujah. Psalm chapter 91 gives us a scripture, a seed. We talked about planting some seed this morning, didn't we? We need to plant the seed in order to get the harvest. There is no harvest without a seed first planted in the ground. And these that I'm passing out to you tonight, I'm distributing seed for you to plant. Seed for you to plant. So it says here in Psalm 91, let's look at verse 9. It says, Because you have made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, your habitation, there shall no evil befall you. Is there any sickness that would not fit under that category that you would say, well, this sickness isn't evil? No, in my opinion and in my viewpoint, in my perception, every sickness is evil. There's not a a blessed sickness. There's not a sickness that brings me blessing or betterment. Not, not, no, there's not one. Every sickness is designed to detract from my life. It's designed to subtract from my life. It's designed to destroy things in my life, whether it be the finances that are spent on that medication and that treatment, whatever it may be, it's trying to take away things out of my life. So they're all evil. God did not, God did not intend for our bodies to suffer sickness. He did not create us in the garden to be sick. He created us to be healthy. He created us to be well. And He created our bodies to live forever. If Adam and Eve had not fallen from the plan of God, all of the people born after them, we would still be able to walk up and visit Adam and Eve today and they'd still be alive and well. All the people would still be alive on the planet. Why? Because God created our bodies to live forever. (laughs) And when Adam and Eve fell, the glory departed, the life came out of their spirit and they became spiritually dead, which does not mean a a cessation of life. It means to be cut off from the life of God. So he said, in dying you shall die. In dying spiritually you will die physically. 
They died spiritually the moment they disobeyed God and ate the fruit of the tree. But it took them hundreds of years to die physically because their bodies were not intended to die. And their bodies were not intended to be sick. Well, you and I have been brought into Christ. In our salvation, God's plan is available for us to live free from the dominion of sickness. Hallelujah. We need to expect that. We need to expect it. And to expect it would mean that if sickness comes, I'm going to raise my shields. I'm going to resist sickness like I would resist the temptation to sin. If sin came across my path and tried to tempt me to sin, my spirit sends off alarm signals. My spirit is red... Danger, 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 Will Robinson. (laughs) My spirit goes in to resist that. No, you don't want that. Resist that opportunity to be angry. Resist that opportunity to hold a grudge. Resist that opportunity to get the last word in. Resist that sin. Resist it. And so we, we would resist it immediately. Well, the same thing needs to be in our responses If sickness tries to attack our body, just because you have a symptom doesn't mean you own that sickness. You can verbally verbally resist it. And when I say verbally, I'm talking about words that are connected to the heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So out of the abundance of your heart that is convinced that God wants me well, I raise up a shield of faith against that sickness and I say no. In the name of Jesus, I take healing. I am healed of the Lord and by His stripes I am healed. This is why we don't wait until sickness attacks us before we put scriptures in the heart about healing. We are wise daughters and sons of God. And as wise children of God, we recognize that it's got to be in the heart in advance. And so I'm going to store up healing in my heart by taking these verses and feeding my faith on these verses so that when something comes to try to compromise my immune system, I have a defense in place. Amen. Amen. So this promise, he says in verse 9 again, or let's read verse uh, 9 because it qualifies us, because you have made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation. This is Jesus, our high priest, giving the terms of the contract. In verse 1 and 2, we see our qualifiers As the recipient, he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High God shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord. Do you remember what we read in Romans chapter 10? That with the heart man believes, but with the mouth confession is made. And what was it in the receiving of the new birth? Confession specifically was made of the Lordship of Jesus. If you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead. Well, this verse says 
that I'm believing that he, I am under the shadow of the Almighty and I am saying He is my refuge and my fortress. So I am verbally authorizing God to protect me. Yes. He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him will I trust. This is what we say. That's why the verbiage here it says I. But in verse 3 it changes voice. And it is someone speaking to the previous speaker. The first person standing here says, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, and Him will I trust. Then my high priest, would you stand up right where you are? My high priest stands up and begins to read verse 3 to me, the terms of the covenant, telling me what comes to me in covenant. Read it out loud. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowl and from the noise and pestilence. Read all the way to verse. He shall cover thee with his wings. Praise God. With his feathers, and under his wings shall thy trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckle. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor the arrow that flies by day. Keep going. Nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shall thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high, thy habitation. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. One more. Because he has set his love. No, wait, wait. One more. Thirteen, right there. Thirteen. Oh. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and adder, the young lion and adder, and the dragon shall thou trample under feet. Minister King, come up and read 14 on. Okay, now the high priest has received my words, my confession. The high priest of my confession received my words. I will trust in the Lord. He is my refuge and my fortress. And he has just pronounced to me the terms of the covenant I've entered into with my mouth. And now the father is adding voice to what the high priest has said. Because he has set his love upon me. Therefore, I will deliver him. I will set him on his high because he have known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, with long life, will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Hallelujah. 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 We entered into it with our, this, uh, he is my refuge. I believe it, I speak it. Hallelujah. The high priest of our confession, Jesus our Lord, connecting us to the covenant with the Father. He made all of the details and then God added his exclamation point of agreement to say, because he has set his love. Now notice two things. Verse 9 says, Because you've made the Lord, which is my refuge, 
even the Most High, your habitation. That means you're making Him your, 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 your protective place. He's the one who protects me. You have made the Lord. So that's important. We've got to expect God to turn it. We've got to expect God. I've made the Lord the one I trust in. I've made the Lord the one I hide myself in, my refuge, my fortress. And then verse 14, when the Father begins to speak, because he has set his love upon me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We've made him our refuge and we love him. We love him. Now, let's go back and read one here specifically. In verse 9, again, you've made the Lord, which is my refuge, thy habitation. Because you've done this, there shall no evil befall you. God meant that when he said that. He meant it literally. And he is able to perform that word which he's spoken. This is available for the believing. And it will be in manifestation for those who believe it. To whom shall the arm of the Lord be revealed? To those who shall believe his report. (laughs) Who will believe the report of the Lord and to whom will the arm of the Lord be revealed? They're connected. The one who believes the report, that's the one who's going to see the arm of the Lord revealed. Romans chapter 1 says, I'm not ashamed, verse 16, of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation for all them that believe. So it is the power of God to heal me because I believe it. It's the power of God to rescue me because I believe it. It's the believing that positions us for the receiving. With the heart, man believes unto right standing. I have a right to walk out of the Dillard's with the dress because I made the transaction. If I don't make a transaction, I could get stopped for shoplifting, right? For me to legally walk out of the store with the dress, with the shoe, I've got to first make a transaction. Faith is the transaction in the realm of the spirit. With the heart, man believes unto right standing. With the heart, man believes because I believe in the report of the Lord, he can manifest that in my life. Because I believe that by his stripes I am healed, he can manifest. I have legal right to leave the store with my healing. I've made the transaction. I believe God. That's what he's looking for. To all those who believe. How does believing happen? I hear the word. Faith comes by hearing. Faith isn't hard. You don't have to try to get yourself into faith. You you need to examine and see if you be in faith, the Bible says. But if, if you want faith, what you need is word. And you need to become a hearer and a doer of the word. So the word is going to produce the faith and then you've got to act on the faith with your speaking, with your actions. And so he says, there shall no evil befall thee, neither 
shall any plague come near your dwelling. God meant that too. And he meant it literally. Hallelujah. No evil, no evil shall befall you, neither shall any plague come near your dwelling. Is God capable of protecting you in that way? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We need to come on. We can't just flip through those scriptures and say, A thousand may fall at my side, ten thousand may run him, and he's coming on me. No evil shall befall me. No, I need to think about that. He said, and if words mean anything, and they do, if God meant what he said, and he does, he said it is possible that no evil will befall me. He said that it's possible that not any plague will come near my dwelling. It says, neither shall any plague come near my dwelling. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I, ex- I expect that. I'm, I'm tuning my expector into that. Amen? The Good News Bible says, He will keep you safe from all hidden dangers and from all deadly diseases. And so no disaster will strike you. No violence will come near your home. He can keep you safe. He will keep you safe from all diseases. God, let's expect that. Let's look for that. Let's, let's, let's put that in the blueprint and then start mixing our, our faith with it. Hallelujah. Psalm 103 and verse 2. Bless the Lord. O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. So now we're going to talk about some benefits that we're supposed to keep in the forefront of our thinking. Amen? Amen. Who forgives all thine iniquities. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know, we didn't deserve it. He didn't forgive us because we were worthy of it. He forgave us because Jesus was worthy of it. (laughs) Because Jesus paid the price. So that was a free gift, wasn't it? He benefits, but it says He heals all thy diseases. He heals all. Does that say all in your Bible? Is that just my translation? Does it say all? Do you know what all means in the Greek? All, (laughs) not one excluded, including everyone, amen? Not anything excluded, everything included, all diseases. That's a benefit. That's a benefit that he wants us to remember, and not only to remember, but expect, expect that God will heal all diseases. Now, you know, when Jesus, they, they tore open a roof in a place where Jesus was preaching and they let a man down through the roof. It said prior to that 
happening that the power of the Lord was present to heal them. But nobody in that room was receiving healing until they tore the roof off and let that man down through the tiles in the ceiling. And Jesus healed that man. And when he healed him, he said something to him. He said, uh, your sins are forgiven you. And the people around, the religious people standing around, they were offended at that. And they began to say, what do you mean? Who do you think you are? to say this man's sins are forgiven. If they didn't have a problem believing that Jesus could heal, but they had a problem believing that Jesus could forgive sin. And Jesus said, which is easier? Easier. He didn't say which one's harder. (laughs) He said, which one's easier? To say, thy sins be forgiven, or rise, take up your bed, and walk. Which one's easier? In other words, they're both easy. They're both easy for the healer and the saver. Because God doesn't separate healing as a separate work from saving. He put it in salvation as a package. He put it together. He, he, He put the supply to free our bodies along with the, fr- the supply to free our spirit yes. from the bondage of sin. He put the supply to free our bodies from the bondage of sickness in the same supply. Yeah. It's a salvation supply. Which one's easier? They're both easy yeah. for God. Forgiving the sins and healing the diseases, all diseases, are benefits that God has included for His covenant people. Hallelujah. 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 The uh, Bible in basic English says, He takes away all your diseases. Uh, The New English Bible says, He pardons all my guilt and heals all my suffering. Hallelujah. All. He heals all. He takes away all. One of the ways we've seen there in um, Psalm 91 is that he keeps us from it. Exodus chapter 15. Where has my time gone? I've just got the introduction. I'm so glad I get to come back and minister to you again. Are you getting a lot out of this? This is like part six or is it six? It's it's six. So please take advantage of the YouTube channel. All the previous videos are there. The podcast, the Roku channel, you can go back and, and catch up on these and feed on them. And when they come out in a series in the Word Supply, get a copy to keep in your library so that you can feed on it from time to time. Exodus 15, let's look at verse 21. And let's see from verse 21 down through 26. Let's start here in 21. Miriam answered them, Sing ye to the Lord... For he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider has he thrown into the sea. Speaking of the victorious defeat of the armies of Pharaoh who tried to follow them 
through the Red Sea and the Red Sea closed back over on them. And so Miriam is praising the Lord for the victory, praising the Lord for how God had brought them out. And it says, So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea and they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it is called, it was called Marah. And so that's what the word means. It means bitter. Uh, um, one of the uh, uh, definitions there would be poisonous. And uh, so they were unable to drink of it. It was bitter. It was poisonous. And the people murmured against Moses saying, What shall we drink? And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. Why a tree? Because this is going to be a representation, a symbol of the cross. He showed him a tree, which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made for them a statute and an ordinance, and there he proved them and said, If you will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God and will do what is right in his sight and will give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none, or you could more accurately say, I will allow none of these diseases upon you which have come upon the Egyptians." For I am the Lord that heals thee. So he took an example of waters that were cursed, waters that were poisonous, with the tree entering into that water, it cleansed the water and it nullified the curse that had been in that water. It nullified the poison that had been in the water. Is God able to take something that is deadly and nullify the deadliness of it? Is He able? Do we have other examples of that? Do we have other examples of times that God has taken something that was deadly? Did the Apostle Paul find himself on the island of Melita and the viperous, venomous snake reached out and bit him and he shook it off and they were waiting for Paul to die because the, the islanders knew what type of snake that was and they knew it was one that should have caused immediate death. But instead, he just went on about his business. Why? Because God nullified the venom in his arm. God nullified the venom. The venom had no effect on his body because God did that. God nullified it. Hallelujah. Is there another example? And I'm in my notes, but there, there's another example in 2 Kings of a, a group of prophets who had gotten together and they were out uh, in the wild and they had gathered some food and they were making a pot of stew and one of the young men took some uh, mushrooms or some, some kind of a plant that he found and wasn't sure about, but he cut it up and put it in. And when they began to eat it, they began to recognize he's put poison in the pot. And they, they called out to the man of God and they said, there's death in the pot. And he took uh, some salt 
Salt is a preserver, isn't it? It's used to, to illustrate that preservation. He put it in there and said, Thus saith the Lord. And nullified the death in the pot. Nullified it. You had to have some faith to eat that stew after that, right? <laughs> Wait a minute. Just a moment ago, two minutes ago, and there was death in the pot. Two minutes ago, there's poison in that pot. Now you, you're going to throw some salt in there and you're going to tell me it's okay to eat it, right? But they did and it was because God nullified it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Did, he, did they throw three young men into a fiery furnace that was so hot that the soldiers that threw them in died from the heat? But the men of God in the fiery furnace were up walking around. They were free from their bondages and they were up walking around. And there was somebody else in the fire with them. And the king said, wait, wait a minute. Didn't we throw three men into the furnace? And they said, we did. And he said, I see four. And he called into the fiery furnace and said, come out. And as they came out, their clothes, not only were they intact, they didn't even smell like smoke. Their hair was not singed. No evidence of fire on their person. Because God nullified the effects of the fire. Hallelujah. Can He nullify the effects of a disease? Can He nullify the effects of a dangerous, uh, toxic, whatever? You fill in the blank, he cannot it. He said, no evil shall befall you. No evil shall befall you. But I want to close with this one statement here. He says, I am the Lord that heals you. In the original language, he called himself Jehovah Rapha. I am the Lord that heals you. The Smith Godspeed translation says, I, the Lord, make you immune to those diseases. I, the Lord, make you immune to those diseases. The Leaser translation says, I am your physician. I am your physician. That's what Jehovah Rapha would be translated. The Lord my physician. Hallelujah. Now, when God identifies himself as the I am and then brings us an element of that I am and says, I am the healer, who has the right to say he no longer heals? When he called himself in the present tense, I am the Lord your healer. Nobody else has the right to come along and tell us that he is no longer doing that because he identified himself as the healer, the great physician. That's who he is today. He changes not. He does not change. Hallelujah. He is the same. He does not change. He is still our great physician. He is still the Lord who makes us immune from those diseases. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
Our part is with our heart and with our mouth to say it. To say it. I believe it and I speak it. You are my great physician. You are my great physician. Stand on your feet and lift your hands to him and to begin to declare you are my physician.